Okay, so there we go. Um, good morning, Lucinda. Welcome to um, this podcast with Soft UK. So I'm Kate Hart and I'm the communications officer for Soft. And yeah, um, we're really pleased to be uh, chatting to you this morning and um, to hear more about Leo's story. So welcome. Thank you. So could you start by just telling us a bit more about Leo and um, I suppose the pregnancy and um, when you first realized, uh, you know, what was happening, please? Um, well, I had a, there was, it, his condition was completely unforeseen. There wasn't a way to have been able to pick up these um, kind of ultra rare conditions. Um, my pregnancy was pretty smooth. Um, same as labor, didn't really have any concerns. Um, but the first time we kind of realized um that there was an issue was a few hours after leo was born um but yeah the the whole pregnancy i went through all my scans and um the tests that they run and the, nothing came back nothing okay like, so um um i did go to hospital a couple of times because um i didn't feel him moving and okay. um actually the last time that I did go to the hospital because I couldn't feel him moving I actually went into labor in hospital <laughs> so wow, okay. while I was in the waiting room so but yeah there were, other than that like there was just a couple of days when I just didn't feel him moving as much yeah and, um midwife always says like it's just best to go and get it checked out so I did go back up to hospital a couple of times to get him just a like so a few observations they put the strap around your belly to hear the heartbeat mm. and do an ultrasound and everything even then came back saying that he was fine so okay. it wasn't until he was born until we realized that there was something um going on and okay um yeah even when he was born he um like I held him when he, he was first born and then they they take him away to do like their little checks and um when they handed him back to me he was swaddled and he was swaddled then for for a little bit so I didn't actually realize no one really realized that there was um any issues and okay. um, it was only then because he his temperature started to drop a little bit so they always kind of suggest skin to skin is the best way to try to help regulate the baby's temperatures so um, we unswaddled him and then they just laid him on my chest and it was kind of only then that we realized that he was he didn't have any like resistance. He didn't have any like strength. Um, mm. When he was swaddled, he could move his head, but there wasn't when when he was unswaddled. Um, he didn't really. He just kind of like hung. They call it okay. the official term is um, hypotonia, which means floppiness. Okay. And we were originally told that sometimes when babies are born, they are in shock and um, they don't kind of come around until like a few hours, four to six hours later. So it was kind of then we got to that point where it was about four to six hours later and he was still presenting the same way. He hadn't yeah. like, gained any strength. So they took him away to NICU. Um, I had to actually go down for surgery myself so I didn't get to then see him for a few hours afterwards. Um, um, but yeah, I went straight to NICU afterwards and um, yeah, that's just when I seen him and I think it really hit me that mm. something's wrong. Um, mm. Whereas I, I think before it was kind of, I don't want to get upset. Um, 
I think before I was just in my head, oh, he'll be okay. Like he's just yeah. in shock. It's okay. Yeah. And I think seeing him then in the incubator, like in the enclosed mm. incubator, and he had like wires, and it was the first time I seen him, mm. and he had the um, feeding tube up his nose. And I think that was the first time I really realised that maybe there is something here. Like it's not just yeah. it's going to just get better. Yeah, it can't be explained by you know something ordinary that can just happen. Yeah. Um, so he. They run more tests on him, like they done an MRI, and they do something, um, another test that's an e- called an EEG, which is where they attached um, a whole bunch of kind of probes to his head to monitor his brain waves to make sure that. that and his MRI initially came back saying that it was fine; there was no, they couldn't see any problems. And then his EEG came back fine; that he was showing normal brain activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did say to us that we needed to be transferred to London uh, hospital because that's where the specialists are like neurologists um so yeah when he was four days old we got transferred um he was um transferred by an ambulance and because of COVID I wasn't allowed to go with him so my dad followed the ambulance up and um yeah and then he was in St Thomas's for three months like just over three months um and they did all like a whole bunch more tests on him they um and they examined his MRI more thoroughly just because they were more specialized there and they did find that um a part of his brain is underdeveloped and um they were initially they said it could be um a muscular problem a nervous system problem or a genetic problem but they were kind of always leaning more towards it being a genetic problem. Mm. Um, but they said that with genetic testing, um, it's a very lengthy process to go through that it could take months to get a um, like results back. Yeah. Um, but they did tell me that they required um, my blood, his father's blood and Leo's blood in order to compare the whole um like it's a quicker way of being able to to see to, to find the problem basically they yeah. they've got a spelling mistake okay and um yeah so we got all of the blood sent off and within 10 days we had the result which was really unheard of like St Thomas's were great like they they fast-tracked every, like everything for us and they really done like the care that we received and when we were there was it was great oh, fantastic lovely yeah um and um yeah that's when we got the genetic test results back saying that it was his tbcd gene that was mutated um and it was would have been something that had been passed on um through myself and his father yeah and um it's just unheard of like these type of conditions because they are ultra rare Mm. um but yeah the information that St Thomas's was able to provide for me um was limited just because it is extremely rare and not a lot is actually known about the condition itself so um they kind of told me a rough prognosis of what I could be looking at or what what Mm -hmm. would potentially happen um 
but then they did keep it reassuring me that um, every child with these type, not just this kind of condition, but with these genetic disorders, every child presents themselves slightly differently and yeah. handles it completely differently. So they kept yeah. saying, like, yeah, I will tell you story, like take it day by day. And um, that's what we see with the trisomy 13 and 18 children and babies. They have such a spectrum. Yeah. And just because one child has, you know, trisomy 18, that doesn't mean they'll be the same as a child with, you know, the same same condition. So, and Lucinda, when you're talking about it being so rare, I mean, how rare? Do they give you numbers of, you know, how many children in the world have this condition or what's your yeah, probability of having it? The first time I believe that it was kind of research was back in 2016. Wow. Uh, so since record on, uh, since 2016 uh, on record, Leo's the 16th baby or child with this condition in the world wow that is incredible sure okay so yeah but currently at the moment there isn't anything medically that can be done okay but with the support surrounding like the day-to-day -day care and, and and like actual comfort and stuff like that for mm. We've, I mean, he falls under so many different medical teams. Sure. Yeah. So um, the care itself that we have been provided since being discharged, that was kind of set in place while we were still in St. Thomas's, like the care yeah. package that they provided and set up for us. Um, like it, the, the support we have from the community is is incredible. And um, he, we have like... Um, speech and language that assesses um feeding um he comes under physio we have hydrotherapy every monday mm. um yeah so we we have a i have a good support network with for everyone and he has carers overnight as well so uh, to give you some respite yeah because um he can't be left my mum's got him at the moment okay. um, he can't be left um because he's he has problems breathing okay um, it is usually only if he falls asleep that that's when um he has to be hooked up to like his machines mm. um because so you can't ever be far from him like I'm always in yeah. the room with him yeah um so yeah he, he needs someone watching yeah. over him at night time because that's so tough you can never switch off. You can never relax. You just always have to be on high alert. That must be so exhausting. Yeah. So um, there always has to be someone in the room with him. So, and yeah, because of overnight, he does require his um, ventilation um, machine. So mm -hmm. he's at risk of, if he vomits, because he's on the night oh. mask that he could aspirate and it could go back mm. down his lungs so it does he does require someone to watch him when he's on his sure. his mask so yeah, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't do it without the support of no no and Lucinda how long ago did you um get discharged from St Thomas's it would have been in June I think it was mid okay. June we would have been okay so yeah okay I think it was um last week and I realised that he had been out of hospital now as long as he'd been in hospital. Amazing. Sure. Yeah. So, well, how lovely that you got to bring him home and have, the, you know, this time with him at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's 
yeah, I'm sure it's nice to be in your own environment and, you know, have him home with you. Yeah. I mean, that was something that I didn't think could even maybe happen because Mm -hmm. it was so touch and go at some points in hospital that um, when he was about two weeks old, before we had his diagnosis, that he was so unwell that we weren't sure he was going to make it overnight. And um, we were taken to a room and were like given options and stuff of what we could do and three options. And like one of them would have been just to remove him from the machinery, helping him and, mm. and like just, to, and like that's just obviously was never an option in my mind. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, yeah. We were then given an option to like, if we wanted to, to not bring him home, to just bring him straight to a hospice and stuff like mm-hmm. it was. I can't even explain what it was like to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, so bringing him home wasn't even something that I thought was possible at some at some points. Um, yeah, especially especially because you didn't have that time during pregnancy to prepare. There was no, you know, prenatal diagnosis. You had no was a complete surprise came out of nowhere so can imagine now being faced with all these options and all the situation at a time when you were you know just expecting a normal baby a healthy baby that you'd be able to bring home a day or two later must have been so hard yeah um, it's good to have him back now (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure and it sounds like yeah you're being well supported by like you say um the medical teams and um your family around you so that's that's great to hear um and I mean have has have you ever encountered any negativity or um is it just really uncertainty and unknown with this condition um as as you know as I kind of said before we um got started trisomy 18 and 13 babies are sometimes seen as incompatible but um with life by some healthcare professionals which obviously as you know parents and families of these children we completely do not agree with uh so not the case but um has there been any anything like that that you've experienced I think there's always going to be that type of reaction from some people and um since going public with um Leo's story Mm. I mean going online there's always people that are going to have their opinion which Mm. they don't have to voice (laughs) but like I have had people say that um stop searching for something that doesn't exist just enjoy the time that you've got with him um other comments have been like there's more important um disorders out there that are more far more common that should more the money and time should be invested in helping them people like that leo isn't his condition is not common enough to Mm. to merit worth the money and stuff like that that would go Mm. in to find treatment for him Mm. and like that to me is just really insensitive like even if that is your opinion you don't have to yeah Yeah, just don't say it um so that's just like kind of been on online and then I've actually okay. sent quite a, I couldn't even tell you I've sent thousands of emails and messages to I just dissected Leo's diagnosis myself 
um, with the help of one of my really good friends in Australia. And um, what we would do together is take the words of his diagnosis and then look up each word because reading it was like reading another language. I had no idea sure. what it meant. So um, together we, we took all of the words and looked up each word and it's like, okay, that's what that means. How can I help that? And, mm. and then it kind of opened up a whole bunch of different specialists that I could then be looking to reach out to. Mm. Um, so I've sent thousands of emails across the world. And I think the most, the hardest ones to hear were the negative comments coming back from them. Um, mm. they are the experts and mm. I think sometimes that was hard um mm. probably more harder than just reading it from the public or yeah mm. um but I mean that's a handful against the amount of overwhelming support that I've received from going public and and um emailing like some specialists that have come back to me and then even though they might voice that there isn't anything they know of that can be used to help Leo, you can feel in their response, it's very heartfelt, like mm -hmm. it's not negative and they wish me all the best and stuff like I have. Mm -hmm. It's been an overwhelming amount of support from people. and oh, That's good to hear. Me, yeah. Okay, wonderful. Um, and tell us a bit more about you going public. I mean, what has that involved? Um, I believe you've done a, a few things uh, with the media as well. Yeah, so um, I've just tried going public was something that was really, I kind of toyed over for a long time because it's hard to just put everything out there. Like mm. for, for a very long time, even when Leo was first born, I kind of really didn't say much to anybody, even my like close friends and family, because I didn't know, first of all, what was going mm. on. And mm. I felt the more I said it, the more real it became. And then the more people there is to then um, have to talk to about these kind of things. And it wasn't a conversation that I wanted to keep going over and over. Um, so going public was was difficult because it's I'm not I never really posted anything on online anyway so then mm. something so personal out there was yeah was hard but it got to the point where I didn't know who to email anymore I didn't know mm. who could help me and I just felt like me doing it alone I wasn't being heard like I needed a bigger voice I needed a louder voice to, and mm. I thought I started emailing um, and messaging celebrities <laughs> like on Twitter on Instagram and um, I would email like local celebrities um, celebrities that are known to respond celebrities that might have children that have conditions of them that unrelated conditions and mm. I wasn't getting anywhere then so that's when I decided to go like on social media myself and mm -hmm. try to get someone else to advocate for him and just I don't know to to reach to have the reach and to help raise a, more awareness for this condition and um, that's when 
I then started to find Facebook groups and I joined a whole bunch of like mum groups. Mm -hmm. I was just putting posts on there and and that's when I started to get like the really overwhelming amount of support. And um, that was like, at that point I was very low and after going down so many roads that just lead to dead ends and having doors closed, that, that was like the pick me up I needed. And then that was what kind of like reignites that fight to keep going. Mm -hmm. And um, I had so many helpful responses from those Facebook posts and it was all worth it. It was all worth going public for. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful for those people that were able to provide me with any information. And and I've had a few more kind of phone calls with journalists and stuff like that, because people have contacts within yeah. um, the media and that's been a massive help for me. So um, yeah, it's been great since going public um <laughs> sounds like it was worth putting yourself out there because you yeah you received a positive response and some good support that's that's wonderful to hear yeah um and i believe you're doing a challenge in october um can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so um before having leo i lived in canada um <laughs> for just over five years and i returned in january back um to England so um I've done a lot of traveling before having Leo so I've managed to luckily meet great friends all from all places from all over the world um so that's the reason why I've called um Leo's event walking around the world for Leo um so I've got friends that have now either returned home or they're now somewhere else in the world and we're all going to get together on October 3rd from wherever they are in the world and they're going to do a walk for Leo so we're going to walk around the world for Leo oh, lovely. so yeah it's on October 3rd um, and I've put it at my event I'm going to do a, a 10k walk okay. um, around um, one of the parks local to me okay um, but yeah it's 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 mostly just to raise awareness I don't expect anyone to have to go out and walk 10k it's mm -hmm. even if they walk 1k or just go to their local park it's just about um trying to trying to raise awareness for the for the tbcd gene itself okay yeah when i sorry go on. so i was going to say is there any way we can help to publicize it do you have a hashtag or um yes you know, your website um, yeah i've got the facebook event group which is um just called walking around the world for leo so that's quite easily found on facebook okay. you google that it does the event page just okay. come up and um all the updates of the event um, I will be putting on there, but I am going to create some hashtags for Leo. Okay. Um, and then what I was hoping that could be done, even if you can't do the walk, it's just to upload a picture and just hashtag, mm -hmm. use the hashtags um, walking around the world for Leo or the TBCD gene. And, okay. um, and then hopefully that will catch more attention and yeah. uh, we might be able to find someone that can help. But, um one of the when I first created that event page I think it was about about seven eight weeks ago and um it was then purely on the basis to um just raise awareness because at that point I was at a loss I, I didn't know what to do I didn't know where to go I I didn't have 
someone that I could talk to about creating the treatment or for his polio. Mm. Um, but since then, and since going more public, I have been fortunate enough to be given a contact for um, a company in the States. And um, there's a couple of things that they're able to do in order to potentially find a treatment or create a treatment. Amazing. Um, so since that event was just to raise awareness, like now I have, I have had a Just Given page um, for a while, but I haven't been kind of promoting it because I didn't have that outlet to do mm. And um, whereas now I have a reason to start fundraising and fantastic, I have somewhere to, to focus that money to go towards now. So yeah, I just, I couldn't believe it when I got, I had a Zoom call a couple of weeks back with, with them and I, it was very promising and I'm very hopeful that something positive will come back from that. That's amazing to have that glimmer of hope after all this time and all the uncertainty. Um, yeah. Well, please share um, with us, you know, when everything's up and running and, um, you know, closer to the event, we will happily publicize for you and, you know, um, share, share your, your cause. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is there any um, advice you would give to other parents in this um, very uncertain circumstance um, or anything that you've learned along the way that you would like to share with, you know, people listening? Yeah, I mean, just don't give up because you will find someone out there that is, like, there's been so many times when I've just cried all day because I've felt like, I felt like I'm losing his battle for him. Like, I felt like mm. there's nothing I can do for him. And there, I think there will always be someone out there that does know more and don't ever give up trying to find them because you never know that they might be able to create something being able to, to assist or treat the condition. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't listen to that negativity. Like that one person that said to me, don't stop trying to find something that doesn't exist. It's like, how do you know it doesn't exist unless you try to find it mm. so mm. yeah just don't give up keep searching for there will be someone out there that knows something more thank you it's very inspiring um yeah it's very admirable how hard you've worked to to fight in his corner and it's very apparent how much you love and adore him and you'll do anything for him so yeah thanks Lucinda it's been really interesting hearing your story today and um I'm sure that, you know, your message will get out there and we'll, we'll do what we can to, to help share it as well. Thank you so much.